It is that time, once again. It is. It's on your time. You listen to this whenever you want. It's a podcast, after all. The Anything But Quiet Time podcast. We appreciate you allowing us a little piece of your time, but hopefully we hear from you, and then we get a little piece of your brain. We would love... That came out weird, but you know what I mean, like your thoughts. You did sound like like a (laughs) sort of villain in a sci-fi movie. Uh, we're going to try a lobotomy right. here with uh, your spirituality. Exactly right. No, we'd love your feedback and let us know in a review or, or whatever, a, a question, something that you've been going through. We'd love to just have these open discussions about what we're going through in our quiet time or heard at church or had a spiritual conversation with a friend. I mean, for instance, we heard from a lady today. She heard a scripture and it talked about the handiwork of God. And she said, I read from a translation where it actually says a masterpiece. Uh-huh. Like uh-huh. in regards to who you are. And for her, that just took it up 10 notches. And I'm like, oh, because you handiwork, that could be a blob of Play-Doh. Sure. Whereas a masterpiece could be the statue of David. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And so she took both of our opinions of that verse and kind of took it up 10 notches. So together, I mean, we're just we're just iron sharpening iron here. You together, know? we're better. Embroider that, cross stitch it, whatever you need to it's on actually- your nearest Pillow. It's one of our company's slogans actually here at, at Hope On Demand. So HopeOnDemand.com. Yes. Maybe that's how you found this. And if not, well, then there is that website, that wealth of resources for mm. you of Christian artists talking about life, Christian artists performing articles, devos, other podcasts. It's all there at HopeOnDemand.com. Let's talk profits. Okay. That's never how something. How much are we making? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the kind of thing that people like to talk about in regards to when they hear that word. Not necessarily the prophetic. Oh, the people who do prophecy. I see what yes. you mean. Yes. I My kids are going to a private school a couple years ago. And I remember when my youngest came home and he's like, I need to memorize who the minor and the major prophets are. I couldn't. Uh, no, I, I could tell you this. I have two friends that could name all of them. And you're one of them. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. But I at the moment, I was like, I need to be refreshed to make sure I know and understand what that means. And I think it means exactly what you think it means. The bigger books are the major. The smaller books are the minor. It's pretty, pretty accurate. Okay. So safely to say that Isaiah or Jeremiah, these are larger books. Major prophets. And then like an Ezra is a minor Amos. prophet. Amos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're talking smaller books. I love books. his cookies. Well, famous. Famous. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the point being, let's talk Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel, you'll find his bread in the freezer section yes. at every local grocery store. And and there's one more strike that you're allowing us. If they make one more food reference to a major or minor prophet, I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, but the Ezekiel bread's a real thing. Well, yes, that's true. You did last week at the end of our episode. Yeah, no, I brought it up for a reason, Carter. I'm not just making puns here. You said that it it, it had jokes. to do with a horrendous mm-hmm. thing that God had him doing in yeah. regards to making bread. So God tells him, I want you to bake this bread while you are literally laying on your side for almost like 400 days, getting close to 400 days, oh. laying on your side. You're going to bake this bread and because you can't go anywhere to make your food. You're going to do it right there next to you on an oven using fuel of human feces. Now, there are a lot of things that you will get preached on at any yeah. church. Yeah. This is not one of no. those things. No, it's not the more. In fact, the Ezekiel Bread Company omits that part yeah. of this passage. Yeah. 
because they don't do that. The FDA approves us. We promise. Yes, the right. bread is actually quite delicious and very good for you. And it's filled with things that you don't normally go. You go and get yeast bread. Mm-hmm. It's filled with white flour and golden goodness and butter. You know, <laughs> but when you eat Ezekiel bread, it's like millet. That's and right. Stuff that you don't generally go, hey, I need to go out and get some millet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, you're super healthy. We have one of those friends. Jen is a, a marathon runner. So I will let that pass. But any one of us having millet on hand in the pantry, I'd be like, I don't know if you and I are compatible. Right. Yeah. Um, because you're, you're a way better person than I am. So, uh, but yeah, he is told to make this bread and he's like, wait, Lord, I have always kept your commands. I'm, I'm one of those people you have asked us to eat clean kosher. You know, uh, this would be the opposite of that. This is unclean. Mm-hmm. I don't feel comfortable doing that. And God said, okay, instead of human waste, it can be animal waste. Okay. But still, yeah, still. That's still considered unclean. It's a bit better, but it's still not in compliance with what God had told us in the Torah, in the first five books, we call them, in the Old Testament, which, by the way, is considered by the Hebrew people just one big book. So you're going through the Bible mm-hmm. in chronological order, and you're here at Ezekiel, and that's why that's why you're going through this right now. But let's take a step back. Why is this happening? Because it's symbolic. Okay. Haven't we always kind of whenever we when we go into the context of what does this mean, especially with stuff like that, don't let that one just go past you. Well, that's what happened and we move on. I always try to what would I have thought if I see this guy lying on his side for oh, it's day 378. Mm. Ezekiel's still on his side, still eating poop bread. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I'd think, but there was a reason for it. It was an unclean situation. Every good Jew would know that what he was doing was not okay with the law. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was symbolic of the way that everything in the land had been just become an unclean situation with God. It was heavily symbolic of where they had gone in their faith, which was all downhill. And now you are going to be put into an exiled situation, which Ezekiel was already exiled. He had been taken to Babylon with the king and he was he was already there in Babylon when he hears from God that Jerusalem is also going to be taken out by Babylon and taken over and exiled all the people from that area of Judah and so Ezekiel's main job is to tell the people in Judah and Jerusalem, you guys got to change your ways. This is going to happen. And ample opportunities, as we've discussed many, many times in the podcast, to change your ways. But you do consider the source that these prophetic words are coming from, a man who's laying on his side and he's eating this bread. And it is interesting, though, because Ezekiel would be invited into opportunities to speak. Hey, Ezekiel, give us a word. Mm-hmm. We want to hear from the Lord. Ironically, they didn't, it was like, um, maybe, maybe like if you're just a church going Christian and you really don't want to go deeper than that, you say, I'm going to go to church today. And I did myself a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then you don't listen to a word that the message, the message is trying to help ship, ship, shape you or. I find that in today's culture, there's a, especially in, in where we live in the Bible Belt of America, it, there's a lot of that. And there's a lot of there's a lot of um, moments like September 11th 
when everybody wants to go to church the next time. We have a come to Jesus moment and then we walk away from the table. And then two weeks later, it's, yeah. it's you know, and so I think there's a lot of the, you know, everybody's going to have a pastor at their funeral. Everybody's going to have a pastor at their wedding. Here's a little bit. Okay, let me go party. Okay, yeah. let me forget what the sobering moments I had at the funeral, realizing that life isn't forever. Let me just go back and live in um, in uh, denial um, with, yeah. with some things. I think there's a lot of that. It's interesting. I, I recently heard Dr. Tony Evans say the Bible doesn't contradict itself. You, you don't you do not not believe the Bible because it contradicts itself. You do not believe the Bible because it contradicts you. And so it's like, I will go along with what you're saying here in church until I don't want to hear it anymore. Yeah. And the people that Ezekiel was being invited into these gathering situations here, give us a word from the Lord. That was kind of their response to him. I'm sure there were some that heard from God and said, we need to change. But a lot of people, they just didn't listen. Uh, okay. Well, what's the point of it? What is he, a, a magician that you invite in at a birthday party? Is he yeah. entertainment? You know, uh, a, a funny little thing is, <clears throat> I can't remember. My grandpa watched something. I don't know if it was war movies or what it was. And my, uh, I think his mom, I think it was my great grandma and said, you know, you shouldn't be watching that. And the Lord doesn't approve it, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Well, she loved her soap operas. Mm. And one day they're at church together and the pastor goes, and another thing, these soap operas, they're not honoring to the Lord and they're blah, blah, blah. And my grandpa, hey, what about your soap operas, mom? <laughs> hey, because she didn't want to hear it. No. it. You know, the Bible contradicted and whatever. Well, and I, it was probably extremely tame compared to today. But... She probably didn't want to hear it from the pastor, but she really didn't want to hear it from <laughs> grandpa. <laughs> exactly right. She did not want to hear it from Daryl Price. That's exactly right. And we all have something like that. Yes, we do. And so, you know, as I give a hard time to the people of that time while I'm reading Old Testament, I'm like, what's wrong with these people? Well, just apply it to whatever circumstances are going on in your own world, Rochelle, where you just really don't want to be reminded about that thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you just you've gotten lax on or comfortable with. or So Ezekiel, a lot of what he shares, he would act out. It talks repeatedly in the book about how when he when the Lord takes hold of him, he could no longer speak for a set period of time. Not entirely certain what that's all about, but it does come up quite often. And so he would pantomime different things the Lord would tell him to do. Like digging a hole through his wall seems a bit extreme, but he want, it's like, all right, Ezekiel, I want you to go do this, 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 dig a hole through your wall and then take a bag with you, pack it with things as if to represent this is how my people will be taken out hmm. of their, yeah, they're going to be put in a situation where they're going to try to escape, but they're going to still be taken out and exiled into the places, foreign lands where they don't want to be. They're no longer home. These prophets really did go through a lot. They did. A, a lot of interesting. I mean, the weeping prophet Jeremiah we had talked about. And it, I mean, it's just well, very fascinating. And think how scandalous this is. Ezekiel has this moment on his birthday. He's 30 years old. He's supposed to be. There's like an induction as, into his priesthood situation. Like he was going to be a priest. Okay. At 30 years old, that's the right age to become a priest. And he's not going to have that happen. He's out by this river in exile. And he has this vision on his birthday. And it's kind of, I would imagine this would be frightening if you just all of a sudden see this thing. There are four, what we would probably call cherubim. Maybe you've heard them talked about, we've talked about them before. They have two pairs of wings 
and they have four heads, each of these four cherubim, these angel-like creature beings, and their heads, there's like a, I think a lion, a person, an eagle. It's been a while since I read this passage, but it was animals and a person's head. That'd be a little frightening. And then like floating, like right there next to them are uh, below where their feet are, are these wheels within wheels. Okay. Which basically, it, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, you mean like a like a coffee cart? Like if I needed to roll it this way, but then I changed my mind and I need to roll it that way. Mm-hmm. These wheels, because they worked like that, could go any which direction it wanted to go. And so I, I'm thinking of I don't know if you know the stories about the first time they ever had a movie in the in the late 1800s, early right, 1900s. Right. They for a motion picture the train, the train, and it came towards the screen. Yes. And people that had never seen this right. ran out of the theater frightened mm-hmm. to death yes. because of that. And could you imagine mm. before any sort of technology? No. You're witnessing this real thing. Anybody would be freaked out by a real angel today, but yes. but this is before any sort of imagination like that. This is CGI in real life. In real life, that would be unbelievable, especially for what he saw next. So above those angels, those four beings, is this dome. It's a throne of sorts, and sitting on this throne is this fiery character who, of course, represents God. He's the king of kings, right? And that's not supposed to happen because he's in Babylon. You're supposed to be in Jerusalem, God. That's where your presence is. So I'm going to kind of go back a little bit because there is this very important artifact that has been lost for forever, and Indiana Jones tried to find it. It's called the Ark of the Covenant. It's in a warehouse. It's going to be a lot of paperwork. <laughs> Try to find that thing. And don't open it. <laughs> uh, anyway, the Ark of the Covenant, that is where this is representative of God's presence. This is like, yes, his presence was a, there above the mercy seat is what it's called, where the angels sit there. Their wings are kind of overcast. They're this little mercy seat area. And this is where the presence of God is is now obviously we know now from you know delving into scripture what we know through jesus god is present everywhere Mm -hmm. there was something very special very anointed about this place i will dwell with you israel you know so well and and that's where when jesus died and the temple mm -hmm. veil is torn and it says that in at least two of the gospels that's there you go the spirit, the presence of God yeah. is now everywhere, exactly. not contained to one place. Symbolic of that. And it was so important uh, because of what is about to happen with Ezekiel. First of all, we it was fascinating. When I, before I started reading the book, it said, by the way, certain certain groups. I don't know if this was for all Jewish people, but like this book of Ezekiel was limited to certain age categories because it was almost like PG-13 is for our kids. It's like, hmm. We have to wait until you are a certain age because this book was a little controversial. Yeah. Like you would have to be in agreement that Ezekiel literally did see what he saw. You're saying the presence of God left where in Jerusalem it's always supposed to be a thing. That's what we understood. David will always be on the throne in some way. That's what we were told. And then Micah comes along, kind of disrupts things with his prophecy in regards to, well, something's going to happen to Jerusalem and it ain't going to feel good mm-hmm. because stuff was happening in Jerusalem that was not good. And God was done. Like they were setting up idols in his temple. Are you kidding me? That's not going to. No, I'm not all right with that. In fact, 
That is what the Spirit of God lifted Ezekiel up in that moment. It said, it's like I was taken up. And I was taken over to Jerusalem. Now, whether that was physically or he just had a spiritual viewpoint, he went and was taken in to see what was happening in the temple walls. And the leaders, the priests, the people were just everything. We were talking about clean or unclean earlier. I mean, it was poop bread everywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was bad. And uh, (laughs) knowing what we know about God and his capabilities... He created us. He could have at any point just flattened this planet. Right. And spitting in his face is what they were doing. I mean, like out of one side of their mouth, they're acting this way. Oh, God, here's your sacrifice. We're going to keep up with what you asked us to do. But they weren't really abiding by the way the laws had been written out. They let it go to the wayside. And and then in the next on the other side of their mouth, they're they're talking to the idols over here. Let's worship uh, Ashtoreth, I think is how you pronounce it, the goddess of fertility. And there were these poles that were erected for her and uh, just all this stuff. So Ezekiel knew that this was going to go down. And it, I mean, nobody wants to be the one to have to go and tell their people, by the way, you guys stink. We all stink. We're all going to be exiled. What we've always known is no more. It's going to happen. And I'm the guy that God has chosen to share it with. And I'm going to do some, I mean, he didn't know it probably at the time, but there's going to be some things that are going to be perceived as kooky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You look like a crazy person. Yeah. Um, But it's very important that you remember this part of the story because the temple, when he goes there, he sees the presence of God leave the temple. The innermost, the Holy of Holies, like you were referencing earlier, and go out the east entrance of the temple. The east entrance was the main entrance. It's the one that if you walked through would face the doors to the main event. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. The temple. So there's three different entrances to this temple. And that's important because later on, Ezekiel is given a vision of the new temple that will be built. And what happens is quite interesting, but... um, such heavy symbolism and God knows his people just like I brought this up before as an example, because he knows how visually stimulated we are as his people visual. We're audio learners. We're all of these things. He's given us five senses and he wants to overwhelm every one of them with his presence. He wants to saturate your life, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. He wants you to feel things, but he also knows that you can't necessarily trust feelings per se, because those can change. So I'm also going to give you sight. I'm going to give you hearing. I'm going to allow you to think and have words of knowledge shared with you through my word, which by the way, is life. It is inerrant. It does not change. I don't stutter. Anyway, uh, Ezekiel, this guy who sees visions with wheels and wheels. And then uh, there's this incredible passage of scripture where you think it's, I mean, oh my gosh, Carter, you just get tired of reading the same old, same old. And I, sometimes when I read this, I have to be careful because I start going, okay, can I apply this somehow to my life? But I also know how easy it is that people outside of our faith or even inside of our faith who are trying to make a point will utilize scripture to make a point. And I want to be careful that I don't add anything to the word, as it tells us in Revelation, be careful not to add anything that that isn't there. But it's like, Lord, is there something else you can teach me as I'm reading this? 
So I'm trying to do that through this book. It's a maze sometimes. Like if Ezekiel had a secretary, they were a terrible secretary Mm -hmm. because the dates are scattered. Well, 10 years when I was exiled and then they jumped to 27 years and then it goes back to 11. You're like, wait, what? The timeline's all scrambled eggs. But uh, Ezekiel has this incredible moment where he's taken to this Death Valley area and it's a just giant gorge filled with bones. And he sees these bones have flesh and and it, these bones have skin now and now they just need speak to these bones ezekiel it wasn't god speaking to the bones he asked his guy speak to the bones and speak my life into them tell my breath you tell me ezekiel to do this which i think that's an interesting subject in and of itself why did he tell ezekiel to do this because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to do it without partnering with his kids he could do it absolutely he can bring life to dead bones like that. But he's asking that we partner with him in ministry, I think maybe part of it. Um, that was, yeah, you, you read that part in scripture. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, is she speculating? But that's what it says. Speak to these dry bones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that passage speaks to so many people. Don't you feel like a bag of bones some days? Oh, yeah. So hope is gone for these folk. Look at all the devastating things we've done, the sin in our lives. God wants to breathe redemption into that bag of bones, you know, um, so that we don't sin anymore, so that we can bring honor and glory to his name, so that we can be instruments of ministry. So he can partner with his kids, loves us, you know, dad can go and mow the lawn himself. But when Junior's out there and he's grabbing up the sticks, yeah, putting them in the trash bag, well, that's a blessing to daddy's heart, right? Well, it's awesome to find those truths in, in that kind of book. You know, <laughs> know right? Old Testament's hard. I mean, a lot of it is. It can be. Yeah. But I don't think you're alone in thinking that. Um, but at the same time, when you read cover to cover, it does help grow context for you in conversations with people who don't believe. It's kind of like what we were talking about last week. Um, and I kind of wanted to tease why the East entrance was super important. And we're going to get to that in the next podcast. Okay. Okay. But thanks for letting me talk about the bread, because last week I got so excited about the things you brought to the table. I forgot to bring the bread to the table, so I got to do that just now. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mine, I, speaking of which, I have a, a quick thing today okay. that I just saw. You know, we have had a lot of conversations about, like, TikTok and some of the um, attacks on Christianity that, you know, the been ex-vangelicals there. is Ex- what Ex-vangelicals, called. and I was reminded, actually, of uh, of a— uh, a conversation I had with with somebody, I, I somebody posted about evangelical stuff. So I said, "Hey, with some of the conversations that we've had, I mm-hmm. said, what do you do about all the evidence for the Bible?'" Mm-hmm. And she just simply reminded me, "You know, it's a it's a it's a range, it's a spectrum. A lot of people that are evangelicals are still Christians. They just don't they don't want to be part of the big American church." And okay. then she didn't really answer the question. So, <laughs> so that was kind of a confusing answer, though. It's like, well, I. If you call yourself an ex-evangelical, but you're not overstating that you're a believer, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. what else would you be led to believe? I just want to make sure that people know me for what I represent and not what I don't represent. Uh, yeah. It seems like that they should be more about the authentic love of Jesus and home church and whatever, as opposed to just constantly bashing American Christianity. I mean, I don't know their story, and it doesn't mean we shouldn't be sympathetic at all to this. But I I think sometimes we give these passes Mm -hmm. because, well, I had a very horrible experience. And, you know, quite frankly, I was sharing with a friend yesterday 
um, trying to, <laughs> my mother was molested as a child. Mm. And they asked me, well, how did she deal with it? I said, honestly, uh, she dealt with it with grace and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. She face-to-face -face forgave the molester. Mm. It was a horrific situation for her uh, because it was a family member and was confronted by that every family get together. It was horrible. And, and while a hard situation, we can easily say that would not make it right for her to do that to somebody else. Oh, absolutely. You see how easy of a statement that is in such a delicate situation and 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 to your point with with this, yeah. you know, okay, there's pain. Okay, I, I'm going to have, you know, I'm not going to tell you how to deal with it. But I can easily say, well, this part's wrong mm -hmm. if she was to go on and do that to somebody else. Now, granted, she um, she used the measure of how to deal with it through the gauge in, in her knowledge of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you are claiming to be a follower of Christ, which it sounds like this lady was like, well, hang on, just because I'm evangelical doesn't mean I'm not a, a Christian. But but then what is your knowledge of grace? Mm -hmm. Help me understand because True. this is coming out as bitter and understandably the church, there are parts that are broken and yep. fixing. Yep. Uh, but we, we don't do ourselves a lot of favors when, when you shoot yourself in the foot. No, that's true. And so that's why, you know, that was just a little mention of what we, we've discussed. If you're interested in that kind of conversation, certainly the previous, I don't know, two or three podcasts, we've kind of touched on that. Mm -hmm. But then there's hashtag Christian TikTok. And this is simply this is, uh, I don't know, two or three minutes of uh, a woman sharing. A, is this going to make us mad? No, no, oh, okay. it is going to be. Uh, let's see, Shannon, uh, at Shan Twin is her username. Okay. And she's answering a difficult question from a evangelical type of person. Okay. And just enjoy. I remember having a conversation with somebody once and just mid-conversation, they kind of just paused and said to me, you know, I believe in a higher power. I believe in a higher authority, God, whatever you call it. But I just can't get behind the idea that it's good or that it's even strong if evil is allowed to exist in the way that it does. And I remember just my heart pounding because they didn't really ask me a question, but they were clearly anticipating a response. And thankfully, I felt like I did have a response because I had heard an example before and I felt like I could use it then because his daughter was in the room. And I looked over at her and I looked at him and I said, you know, I'm sure that as a dad, it could be frustrating because your daughter doesn't always do what you tell her to or what you expect her to do. I'm sure it would be much easier to father somebody who is perfectly obedient. And so I posed this question at him. I said, what if you had the chance to put a microchip in your daughter's head and everything you did and everything you asked of her, she would just obey you because that's how she was programmed. And he kind of laughed and he's like, I would love that. And we kind of laughed about that for a second. And I would say, I'm sure you would. But, you know, over time, as you know, she honored you and she picked up what she was supposed to and she did what she was told. Every time that she would hug you and every time that she would say, I love you, you would know it wasn't real. And maybe initially you would feel good to hear that coming from her. But over time, you would know that you programmed her to do that. She wasn't saying it because she actually loved you. She was saying it because you told her to. I asked him if that made sense, and he was actually surprised. He said, no, it actually makes perfect sense. I think he understood my point. Evil exists because freedom exists. 
and freedom exists because ultimately God values love above anything else. And so God gives us the ability to choose him. But since God values love so much, he will never take that away from us because he values authentic intimacy. So the reason evil exists is because we live in a world where people don't choose God. Thankfully, God has sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. And when we put our faith in Jesus, we are actually restored to right relationship with God. Through Christ, we have the power to turn away from sin and live life by the spirit instead of the flesh. And it is in that loving, intimate, authentic relationship with God that we become more of who we were created to be and can help others do the same. I love that so much. Yeah. I love that so much. One thing that she referenced, I don't even, we could look it up, but Romans 6.23 is a, a verse that pops up there at the end. Um, and it's just such a good answer for such a hard question. Yeah. You know, I'm watching a, a show on Netflix right now that um, there's this little girl that's being taught this doctrine that clearly her family does not support. But it, instead of trying to tell her this is a lie and you shouldn't listen to this, I'm not going to allow you to think that way. She brings to the table to her daughter a Quran, a Bible, uh, a Buddhist teaching book, mm -hmm. um, and a couple other elements that I was less familiar with, and invites her to explore for herself. What do you like most about this doctrine that you're being told? Well, I like, basically, she said, the redemption story. Mm -hmm. She said, well, it's interesting. I like the miracle stories. Oh. Well, these books, and she pulls out the Quran and she pulls out the Bible, have some of those kinds of stories in them. And so as a Christian, I'm sitting there, I'm watching this experiment. I'm also trying to watch it as a person who wants to affirm what's to be affirmed. So immediately I'm like, well, show that girl a Bible, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. But I'm also going, hey, if I wasn't raised in the church what an amazing thing for her to be able to share with her daughter so that she can explore the truth together with her mom. And I think I think that is to be affirmed. You do not want to create a robot Christian. Yeah, you true. want them to find these truths for themselves. But if you do truly seek and you lay these instruments in front of you one by one and you explore for yourself and you invite truth to the table, Jesus Christ will present himself as something completely different than anything else that you're going to get in any other faith, period. Yeah. Because it is a, it is not just a hope story. It is God incarnate saving your life when you did nothing to deserve it. Coming back, willfully doing this, by the way, not against his will. Right. Like right. he had a choice even when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was wearing human skin when he said, not my will, but yours be done. Mm. So Jesus establishes in this prayer, his desire is to not die, to not be in pain, to not be separated from what he understands and knows to be healthy and clean and good. And he makes the choice and chooses not my will, Lord, but your will be done. The, the verse, which there's one of those I should have had memorized, but of course, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
Um, thank you for spending some time with us this week with the Super Anything Big. But Quiet Time podcast. 